to the Bad Boss Brief, a strategic guide on how not to be an asshole at work. You'll learn about bad bosses, how they can be detected and handled, as well as how to tell if you happen to be one. Join an executive and an executive coach, both artists working in marketing and advertising for over two decades, who are here to offer you the ultimate guide on how to navigate any employment landscape. Here are your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Payrollo. Welcome to the Bad Boss Brief. I am Stephanie Payrollo. And I'm Eugene Robinson. Oh, sorry, Eugene S. Robinson. Yes, thank you for the clarification. Yeah. And yeah. today is episode 27, The Apology Show. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, and to clarify, we're not going to make an apology because as far as we know, we don't need to make one. Although if you have a different opinion, you can email us. We're going to talk about how to make apologies, good apologies, bad apologies, and how you should be making apologies. Now we're talking generally about at work in work context, but Mm -hmm. I would venture to be bold enough to say that this could also work in your personal life. (laughs) I've never been wrong. So I'd be the last to know really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, and just for context, when I was thinking about this topic, I realized most women need to apologize less and most men need to apologize more. You know, after the first time I played Japan, a a habit I picked up was a kind of reflexive apology. And at first I thought that it it lacked, um, it didn't seem genuine to me. But then I started to think like in Franny and Zooey, they talk about the Jesus prayer, that the idea of saying sorry for everything at all times essentially puts you in a mind frame of, you know what, the world's a crazy place. I could be wrong many different ways. So I started to think, no, it's not, it doesn't lack, it's, it's, it is quite genuine. So I started to apologize a lot more and for a wider variety of things after after I started traveling to Japan and I, I didn't feel bad for it. I felt good for it. And it didn't de-signify the actual real feelings of apology that you might have had when you screw up. But again, like I said, I don't screw up a lot. So <laughs> and I like that. And I think that sincerity isn't necessarily uh, de rigueur in an apology. Yep. Just, yep. you know, saying the word. So let's let's start with some basics. So right. I believe that a good apology does three things. Mm-hmm. Okay. First, it honors the harm you have caused without right. excuses or referencing the other person's part. Right. Two, it expresses contrition. You have to say the words, I'm sorry, or something very close to those. Mm-hmm. Three, it ideally talks about a clear path to repair or change behavior. Right? Mm-hmm. So let's, let me give you an example. I'm sorry that I got cross with you in the meeting. And spoke mm-hmm. so harshly. I shouldn't have done that. And I want to apologize. Going forward, I'll bring up any concerns I have in our one-on-ones and address them before our emotions run high. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's good. I, that's good. I mean, I, I, I at one point had a coworker who told me about how tough grad school was. He, we would rip each other down. It was just merciless. Great. So we have a meeting like that week, maybe. And the guy said something, and I said, that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard. And after the meeting, you know, he got very red in the face. And after the meeting, uh, my our manager came over and said, you're kind of tough on Joe. You know, maybe you might want to apologize. <laughs> and 
And I also laughed in his face. I go, this is the guy who just told me how tough he is, how he did this grad school. And it was a really stupid thing he said. I, I can tell you now, I'm sorry that we're having to have this talk about it, but I'm not going to apologize to Joe. See, I'm not a good guy. I'm not a good employee. <laughs> that way. I think, you know, I mean, I was, it's a weird division between truth telling and, and being politic, right? Or just nice, maybe. But I think it's also a question of relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you value the relationship in question? And if you right. do, what are you willing to do to repair? So one of the things I, I talk about a lot is this concept of rupture and repair. Mm -hmm. Every relationship is going to have rupture. We can't help ourselves. We're human beings. We're going to, you know, rub somebody the wrong way or something's going to land in a way that we didn't intend. There's always mm -hmm. going to be rupture. What is important is repair. Right. And so the idea is there are certainly relationships at work or otherwise that you are just not interested in repairing. <laughs> right. right. And if that's a choice that's valid, then go ahead and make that choice. And, mm -hmm. and there are times, I mean, I have certainly said things that have hurt people's feelings mm -hmm. and I have felt no remorse and expressed no remorse. Right. And I mean, right. if somebody's bullying somebody on my team and they don't want to hear that, oh, yep. well, I don't yep. care. That's not the circumstance that we're talking about. What we're talking about today is when, uh, you know, an individual feels remorse or even just acknowledges the repair. Maybe they feel like they didn't really do anything wrong, but it's really upset the person that they work with and they don't want to deal with that kind of energy yeah. or conflict. So they want to address it, right? So, yeah. so that's, a, yeah. that's a valid point. There are times where we're not interested and we don't feel like it's necessary. There will be a relational cost, but yeah. we may be ready to, to pay that relational cost. But I think, right. what's I think what's most damaging in the work environment are the bad apologies. And I have been on the receiving end of many, many bad apologies. And a bad apology is, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. Another one, I shouldn't have yelled, but if you just get your act together, these situations wouldn't keep coming up. Okay? It is better to say nothing than to do a bad apology that, you know. And so some of the things that happen, some of the apology pitfalls, if you will, mm -hmm. focusing on the other person's behavior. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're, we both may be at fault, but mm -hmm. if you are making an apology, the rule is take care of your own side of the street. Yeah. Don't, don't look at what they're doing. Just focus on yep. what it is that you're doing. Often, if you do it skillfully, the other person who presumably is also interested in, in the relationship may mm -hmm. say, you know what? You're, thanks for that. I also could have been more skillful. Right. So right. it's best right. to lead with what it is that you did wrong, which assuming right. you genuinely did something wrong. Um, the second thing is not getting specific about what you did wrong. You need <laughs> to be clear. They know what it was. Right. Yeah, and yeah, if right. you don't know what it was, then you could certainly get curious. You know, like I can see right. that you're upset. Help me understand what it is that I could have done more skillfully. And you'll right. notice I'm using the word skillful and unskillful. Yeah. It might sound weird if you're first using those terms, but it's really, I think it's, it's useful to get into the habit of not saying good or bad, mm -hmm. saying skillful and unskillful. Right. Right, it's right, certainly right, right. easier for me to admit right. to being unskillful than yeah. being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. And then, and then right. there's, there's sort of less ju judgment. The other thing is getting defensive. Yeah. A lot of times hearing what it is that we have done is uncomfortable, but 
we need to do that, especially if we value the relationship. So one right. thing I was thinking about when, when I was looking at this content, I thought, well, I've got an apology story that I don't want to tell mm-hmm. because it makes me look bad. <laughs> so I'm going to tell the story. Okay. I was, there's a, a colleague that I work with, a black woman, and we were at a networking event with a group of other women. Mm. And my colleague, I'll just call her Jane, said in, in the conversation, it was a small group, said in the conversation, you know, I read a really interesting article about X, Y, and Z. It was by this particular author. Interesting, interesting summary, summary. Mm-hmm. It was really quiet. People went on mm-hmm. just kind of kept talking in the conversational ebb and flow. And I'm like, okay, nobody really picked up on that. But I, I thought it was interesting. Three minutes later, the white woman sitting next to her who had told all of us repeatedly that she was a New York times bestselling author Mm -hmm. said, you know what? I heard a really interesting article called X, Y, Z written by this particular, she took exactly the information that my black colleague had said and repeated it almost verbatim. Yeah. And I'm looking at Jane and I'm like, I don't, what, Real, and nobody else is saying anything. So I think mm-hmm. I am an ally. I have looked at why my, my white privilege. Look at me understanding what is happening in front of me. Right. And I said, Jane, what do you think about that? Thinking uh, I'm doing this great thing. I'm giving Jane an entree. Right. Jane and I are having lunch the, sometime soon after that, a week or two after that. And she right. said, look, I, I want to tell you something. What you did was not helpful. Yeah, right. What you should have done is say to that woman, what are you doing right now? Jane just cited that exact (laughs) thing. What is happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I remember exactly where we were. We were out to lunch. And I remember exactly what was around us. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to die of shame. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, I realized she was right. She was 100% right. I also was embarrassed that I had thought that I did something that was helpful and yeah. it actually wasn't, yeah, it wasn't yeah. helpful at all. And yeah. the emotions that I felt mm-hmm. were, were pretty uncomfortable. And what I realized, thank goodness, in my brain was my discomfort is not at issue here. What's happening is this woman trusts me enough right. to, as they say, call me in. And right. I have an opportunity to learn more about how to deal with aggressions, my white privilege, how to be an ally. And that's what I want to do. And so I need to, I need to reframe and just say, I just said, thank you. I appreciate it. I will mm-hmm. incorporate that moving forward. Did, when you tossed it to her in this, in the, in the group meeting, what did she say? She said something, but it was, I mean, she picked up a conversational thread, but she was, pretty quiet and she didn't actually talk much the rest of the the rest of the event and there's yeah, no question yeah. i mean if i if i was in that situation again today this was a number of years ago i would absolutely say something i would i I, 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 I constantly am <laughs> in actual fact in that very precise situation i'm saying so let me get this straight you're just gonna say what i just said <laughs> and then the person will say oh i'm sorry did you just say it I go, yeah, those were the words that are out of my mouth. That's when somebody says something. That's what it's like. But mostly because I'm amused at 
how stupid my fellow humans can sometimes be. So I'm, I'm glad to call people on it, but I understand that maybe in her situation, she wouldn't be so. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this was a professional situation. It was networking. The idea is possibly we could be working with or for these, these other women. And I think mm-hmm. the point here is, and the reason that I thought this story was illustrative, even though I didn't want to tell it is a lot of times when someone confronts us with unskillful behavior, mm-hmm. we can have a lot of emotions about it. And, and that's right, where right. regulating our own emotions so that I didn't get defensive. I didn't attack. Right. I didn't make an right. excuse. I just said, wow, I'm observing in my own mind. I said right. to myself, I'm observing a whole flood of emotions. None right. of those need to come out of my face right now. Right, right, so right, right. I'm just going to say I'm terribly sorry. Right. That must have been. Yep, yep, and yep. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you for letting me yep. know moving forward. Yeah, that and so, was, that was, yep. it, and it's hard to do. I'm not suggesting that it was easy. And I obviously this was years ago. I still think about it. And I still mm. have a cringe. And then the, the last thing is people who make excuses. Mm. Right. In some cases, excuses may be useful, but that's only when you're getting to the point of how do we change the circumstances going forward? It doesn't right. like there's an uh, old Annie DeFranco song. Nobody got enough sleep. Everybody hates right. their job, right? right. Don't we all right. being tired, being stressed out, whatever. Yeah. That's never an excuse for bad behavior. What yeah. you can do is once you've apologized, if you are able to get to a, Hey, how do we do things differently going forward? Mm-hmm. You could say something like, Hey, you know what? When we're having these reviews on the projects, let's not do it at the end of the day on a Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. Cause I get really yeah. tired and I'm not at my best. So you can yeah. do it that way. Can you think yeah. of any other pitfalls, apology pitfalls or bad apologies you've gotten? No, no I, I mean, I, I, was, I was laughing because I was thinking about your situation with Jane. And one of my favorite companies to work for, weirdly enough, was Intel. And not, not because of the company whose work I, I found to be fairly not that super interesting, but um, because I got to work with Andy Grove, uh, you know, who was the CEO at the time, Hungarian guy, uh, Emma Gray. And uh, uh, at one point I had to deal with his second in command. This is a guy he's known forever from Hungary. They escaped together, you know, when the Russian tanks came in and, and uh, his name was Les Videz. And, uh, and I'd seen him in, sta- in, in, in these big, you know, there's quarterly meetings on, you know, video screen and less with this, you know, like a normal, nice, normal guy. But apparently I, then I had a meeting with him and he said, I need you to go to talk to Les about something, this report that we're doing on this German presentation. So I go over to Les's cubicle because at Intel, because it was egalitarian, everybody had cubicles, though some cubicles were larger than others. And so he knew I was coming by like at a one o'clock meeting. So I, at one o'clock, I show up. And this was a constant and continual feature of life at Intel. Of course, he was because <laughs> he didn't expect, expect me to be African-American. I would guess. I don't know. And the first thing out of his mouth was, you like basketball? <laughs> so he's processing like black guy. He's big. I'm uncomfortable. But hey, we could bond over basketball. And I got to look at him and smile. And I said, um, not 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 really. Um you know, I'm more into bodybuilding and like fighting. Were you into uh, you into horse racing? And I don't think he got it. And I was I didn't want to explain it. And I was glad he didn't get it because it was kind of prickish. But he was short, and so I was asking him if he was a jockey. <laughs> yes, I got it. I got it. You got it. So I'm glad that English wasn't his first language, and he. 
Because, you know, I mean, this there was still a corporate order in, in place here. And I think maybe that's something about apology that, that you know, for the purposes of the show, how apology works on a dotted line is probably very much different than how it, you know, works in a, you know, managerial report as well as underlings. So um, and they all have to be tendered with a certain degree of nuance. Um like, you know, maybe not telling your short boss he should be a jockey, <laughs> no matter what he said to you. But again, it sounds like that wasn't something that you felt like needed an apology because you didn't value the relationship that you had with him. And, you know, maybe it didn't land. It, it, it seemed to me it seemed to me I, I didn't need an apology. And, and keep in mind, I have now just had spent 10 years at a company where written apologies were the standard. You, they were forced upon you. You had to write an apology. If your plane was late and you showed up half an hour late for a meeting, you had to write an apology for the staff for wasting their time um, and for showing a certain amount of disrespect. Um, and I thought I thought that was incorrect and injurious because it it was it 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 it, it seemed to me like needless bullying. <laughs> um, the person if the person shows up and they seem contrite. A lot of times that's good enough for me. I don't need them to write a formal letter of apology, submit it to the entire staff. It seemed like a ritual humiliation to me, and it always rankled me. Well, and that's um, like making two kids shake hands after they've had a fight. It's right. Like, it's very infantilizing. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And it didn't it didn't make me feel better about the process, the person, or the job, as history has borne out that that right. was a pretty terrible place to be. So, uh, But in general, I, I find um, I've delivered heartfelt apologies um, in non-professional settings. Um, and I, I was surprised at my immediate understanding that I needed to do so. Um, and called the guy, uh, at home. It was my mechanic. That's <laughs> weirdly enough. And, uh, and I just say, hey, man, I, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I fucked up. So sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you're a good guy. You didn't deserve it. And the guy was like, I could hear him like, like sigh. And he was genuinely uh, 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 pretty happy about it. Um, and I, personally, I've done so a, a lot as well um, in really uncomfortable situations. <laughs> I have like owned it right up, called dude up and said, hey, ah, you know, your fiance, <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, it. I think maybe you did you did touch on that that uh, apologies are going to be really uncomfortable if they're real, right? Um, but they can and be I think very that, restorative. They can that, really they can really yeah. repair a relationship. And yeah. Yeah. They also demonstrate they can demonstrate emotional maturity, a yeah. lot of confidence. You have to be really confident to admit when you're wrong. Yeah. And there's a reason that I know about apologies because I make them all the time. <laughs> All right, let me talk about a couple of things that are really expert, right? What we've talked about so yes. far is kind of the basic level. Yep. If you want yep. to go to advanced repair and get yep. really good at apologies, try these things. Check in, ask mm -hmm. if you've missed anything. Mm -hmm. right? This is especially great if you have more power in the relationship, if you're talking to you know somebody that works for you or a teenage kid and you right. apologize. Is, is there anything else that I've missed? Yeah, right. Right, right. Just wait. And and that gives them an opportunity. If they feel safe enough, they might add in and you can get some additional information about what else you need to apologize for. 
The next one is, is, you know, when you talk about, here's what we're going to do going forward. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to change this behavior in this way. That's mm-hmm. a good step in the right direction, but you're not checking in with that person. If I mm-hmm. say to you, I'm really sorry that I, you know, yelled at you in a meeting. How could I repair that? Mm-hmm. What could I do differently going forward? Right. And those are two separate questions. And one right. of them may be, you know what? I need you to make that apology in the meeting. You apologizing yeah. to me doesn't, doesn't restore this. You need to go into the meeting and acknowledge mm-hmm. to the rest of the team that what you mm-hmm. did was not right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there may be other things that, so the idea of checking in, you know, d- basically saying, mm-hmm. does this apology fly for you? Yeah, what right, do you right, need right. me to do going forward? I mean, one of the things in, um, you know, the, the other thing is to really focus on ongoing repair. Right. Yeah. So in, in recovery circles, they talk about a living amends, right? Where it's not enough to go to your kids and say, sorry, I was, you know, high the entire time you were growing up. Yeah. I'm better now. But yeah. to a living amends is to show up every time your kids need you, right? To be yeah, every performance, yeah. every track meet, every whatever. That's a yeah. living amends. You are showing by your actions that you yeah. are now engaging in the relationship differently. So the idea is, it, is that, yeah. is that like, is that like an official term? Living it amends? is an official term, right? Anybody that's in a 12 step program, if you say living amends, they will probably yeah. know what you mean. Okay. Um, there's a whole step around amends. And the idea mm-hmm. is you just, an apology is not enough, right? You need yeah. to actually change how you behave. You know, so for example, if, you know, if your spouse is frustrated that you're not doing your share of the chores, mm. don't like mumble an apology and then like swab a rag over the, oven and things are done, right? Set an alarm so that every Friday you're going to go in and clean the bathroom the way your spouse wants the bathroom cleaned. Right. Right? Not the way you clean, but the way your spouse cleaned. And and just committing to doing that, right? Actually showing up and doing things differently. And that's where the repair happens. If there's a particularly acute rupture or Mm. you have a, a long history of being unskillful in a particular way, yeah. It's going to take a while for you to repair that relationship and people need to see that it's not yeah. just, it's not just lip service. It's not just wah, wah, wah. And then you, yeah, yeah. then the other thing is, you know, if, if you are in this kind of situation that I described with my colleague, mm. Jane, mm. and someone brings something to your attention right. and you then make an apology for it, mm. you need to let that go. Do not carry a grudge. You know, I could have shown up to Jane. I could have shown up to Jane in a way that was carrying energy, right? Maybe not being open, not being kind, having a resentment that she brought up my lack of skill. And that happens a lot. And so I think really checking in with yourself. Hey, am I being weird with this person who just called me out on on something that I did unskillfully? Is my Mm -hmm. shame getting in the way of me being comfortable and open with them? And if so, how can I adjust my emotions? Right, right. Or like my daughter recently, when she uh, called a, a senior executive at her uh, hotshot uh, uh, ad agency out on something that, you know, she and the junior staff had felt to be a very certain way. And so as a junior staff representative, when spoke to him, they exchanged words and then the guy called her back in and uh, apologized. Um, and she was like, great. Wow. Growth. And then three weeks later, all the junior staff was laid off, <laughs> including, so, including your daughter, including my daughter. Yeah. So, um, this was uh, also a lesson in apologies and power and the nature of corporate America. Um, it's an interesting one. 
Well, and I think that's that is particularly illustrative because what happened was that man having had to make an apology. Right. Something about that just like it, it just chafed at him. Right. Yeah, no, it, it was clear that he resented having to deliver the right. apology. Otherwise, he you know what? I laid these people off so that, you know, but I think that was a valuable. It was an interesting lesson for her. I, I don't support the idea that you should. She should have kept her mouth shut in that instance. Uh, but um, I support uh, the idea that he should not have fired her. And yes. if he had an executive coach, which oh, so sadly, every yeah. white man who runs an ad agency in this country should have an executive coach. And. Mm. For as many people as I can take on, it should be me. Mm-hmm. He needs to understand how to metabolize his emotions, right? Yeah. So much of effective leadership is self-regulation. Yep. Right? If yep. he could have, if he had a place to appropriately process whatever yeah. came up for him, which I know can be, you know, he was talking to a young black woman. Mm-hmm. Who knows what came up for him? And yep. he... If he had a place where he could metabolize it, not with an executive coach or a peer or a friend who said, oh, well, no, I mean, you know, these young people today, they don't blah, 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 who said to him, excuse me, you're going to, what are you doing right now? Yeah. Right? Like we all need the friend or colleague who says some version of what the fuck? Yeah, right, right. right. And, and so many leaders don't have that. They don't have yeah. a person in their life who can say to them, what are you doing? What do you yeah. mean you're going to lay off all the junior staff? Are you out of your mind? Right. And, and who knows? I mean, too, in his defense, he might say these were, uh, I know these events seem connected, but these events were not connected and just, you know, I, you know whatever. But neither know. of those things happened. And, and of course they were connected. Yeah, right. Right. Of course they were connected. All right. So that's, those are our apology stories. Do you have a fire me? Um, I do. I do. It, 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 it goes, yeah. And I'm in the midst of it. So, um, you, you have to excuse my continuing to mention it, but it has very real world repercussions because these are people who I see every day. And I, the Sundar thing at, at Google has been, uh, you know, it's amazing to me always that people could be so on for so long and then just blow it. <laughs> Can you just do a quick synopsis for people synopsis, who haven't been following along at home? Yes. We're, talk, we're talking about the layoffs at Google. And Google has had, you know, uh, a history of, you know, a fairly wonderful history of, you know, not having layoffs, uh, employing lots of people, very cush job. It's a country club of jobs. A friend of mine who started there three years ago was like, I, I, I almost can't believe it. He, he ceased cooking his own meals, three meals a day. So, you know, hotshot chefs, really high quality food. He ceases doing laundry because when he would come to work, you'd drop it outside your office and the laundry service would take away your laundry, as well as just dry cleaning as well as going to a mechanic for his car or even taking his car to a car wash or get, get these were all things that were routinely done. And if he felt a little tired after all the work, uh, he could nip into a, uh, a, a nap pod and take it. I mean, it was, you know, these are, or, you know, they, they could, if you had some extant skill and could interest two or three people today, hey, let's go fly some kites. They would actually pay you for community development, $300. I mean, just crazy things. But, you would have thought that they could have handled this layoff thing much more um, 
smoothly than they have. And it, it has continued to be followed the layoffs interspersed with annual reviews. So we've had layoffs, reviews, more layoffs, and of course, the ranking system, and I'm not going to get too deep in the woods at Google, as with many other companies, is is meets expectations, exceeds expectations, doesn't meet expectations. Those people who don't meet expectations now are routinely being laid off, and everybody could healthily say, who cares? So what? That way you, you got to get rid of the dead wood. Um, the people who you know, uh, uh, meet expectations, you got to understand at a place like Google, this is not a feather in your cap. This is a black eye. Um, and one of the, one of, um, um, <laughs> I mean, when they laid off the last tranche of people on the sl- internal Slack channel, there were requests from people who still had jobs. How do I get laid off? Because the layoff package is great. Yeah, and you still, you know, they give you two months to find a job inside. They give you six months of salary, Cobra beyond six months, eight months. I mean, pretty much your year is taken care of. You know, if you were laid off in this last tranche of of, of, of layoffs at Google, you don't have to worry about 2024. Your worries start in 2025, which is pretty nice. But this is this is not the earmarks of a healthy company. And then anytime he mentions continued layoffs, it always sounds like kind of a, some quasi macho macho threat. And interspersed with reviews in which high performers are being given the middle ranking because they want to also push the attrition thing. Because you you give a high ranking guy uh, a a, a middling uh, review, what do they do? You take any high ranking person who gets a middling review, who's been operating over and above the call of duty in regards to whatever the job task is, this person leaves. They do not stay. Um, So the company... The, the bad decisions are trickling down into into macro bad decisions are trickling down to micro bad decisions. And I'm disturbed just based on the amount of uh, Google stock I have that I don't think that this is is a healthy way to proceed. Um, I would reframe. I would invite you to reframe one thing, though. The idea that okay. everybody wants to get rid of Deadwood. If there is Deadwood in an organization, you also need to look at the managers and the management style. Right. If I am a manager, the failure of my team to thrive is on Mm -hmm. me. Yep. If if there is dead wood, I should have either been putting them on a performance plan, getting them some additional assistance, or getting or transitioning them out of the company. It's funny you should say that because um, when I asked about the nature of the layoffs, was it you know because they have the L five, L six, these different levels at 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 Google. Um, and they said, no, it was fairly democratic in the sense that there were high ranking people who were let go. And I go, what did these people do? I said, these pe- these were managers of managers. So to your point, you know, if, if any one of these little factions had too many, you know, did not meet expectations, I imagine those managers are gone. Those managers of managers who are making God ungodly amounts of right. money. Um, so it was just, it has been, it is like, I, I, I can't imagine it could have gone any worse. You know, well, it, it reminds just, me, it, yeah, I mean, it reminds me of, of, of when, sorry, when Jay-Z, who had made so many, to contemporize it a bit, who had made so many right decisions for so long, decided to back the play at Barney's when they, two blocks from the store, uh, uh, braced and, and seized a, a a young African-American man who saved up four months of his salary to buy a belt. 
the, the the department store security followed him two blocks, waited till he got down the subway and said, could you come here? These are not cops. <laughs> These are guys, department security. And Jay-Z was like, just signed a deal with Barney's. This happens. And then he comes to the press and goes, well, we don't know all the facts. And it's like, how could you spend a whole career making right moves and then make a wrong move like this? Come on. I- but I, I just, and we're almost out of time, but I want to just name one thing, which is there are lots of people who are being laid off. Microsoft has layoffs up here. Yes. RBI has layoffs up here. And then the the trickle-on effect, everybody that gets paid by those people, there are a lot of people that are getting layoffs that aren't getting severance packages, or they're really yeah. small. They're getting two weeks, and you have the opportunity to COBRA. Well, COBRA is really expensive. You have to pay yep. your portion and their portion. And yep. there are a lot of people who are getting laid off who don't have those Google salaries, haven't had the Google salaries, still need yep. to pay for whatever their you know rent, mortgage, or childcare. So yes, it is terrible the way Google's handling yep. things, but there are yep. also a lot of people that might be listening to this who are getting laid off or whose friends are getting laid off who aren't getting anything like that kind of a severage package. So yes. there is that. Yeah, right. All right, there that's all that. we have time for. If you think we need to apologize for something, get in touch, WTF at badbossbrief.com and we'll see you soon. Thanks, bye. Adios. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bad Boss Brief podcast with your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Payrollo. You can check out more of their work by visiting consigliera.substack.com for Stephanie and eugenesrobinson.substack.com for Eugene. You can also find Eugene at Mr. Sleep 3, that's number three, on Instagram. Reach out with your questions, concerns, workcase situations, or suggestions to us at WTF at BadBossBrief.com. We personally answer every submission. Be sure to join us at BadBossBrief.substack.com every other Wednesday for episodes of Bad Boss Brief and every single week for our Sub Rosa shorts so you can gain further insights into your workplace environments. Until next time, don't be an asshole at work.